You're listening to FCUM Community Radio. My name is David Few. I'm the chairperson of um, City of Sanctuary, which is in, in Manchester, which is a national movement um, all over the UK, which is designed to create a culture of welcome in our cities and towns, or to cultivate a culture of welcome. So for people who come to our cities and towns looking for safety and sanctuary, um, the idea is to build grassroots networks between organisations, individuals, community groups, sort of everybody, um, to help people realise that they can do very small things to make very neglected people feel welcome. Yeah, I think that's because people seem to think that helping them is inviting someone to the house when there's a lot of other things you can do, isn't there? Loads of other stuff. I mean, whether it's, you know, like, um, there's something called suspended coffee, which some coffee places are doing, which is where you pay for two coffees instead of one, and then somebody can come in and say, do you have a suspended coffee on, and they can get a coffee for free. So putting that on is really good. Whether it's, um, are we going to start running bike maintenance classes with an organisation? Oh, that's good, yeah. So teaching, because one of the massive problems is transport with asylum seekers and refugees. Because they don't, although they might get... Well, actually, you have, you have to leave somewhere very quick, don't you, in some cases, so. Some cases, but I mean, just that's a very dramatic situation. But just a day-to-day living, the, the benefits are given to asylum seekers and refugees on a card, which is your card, which means that they can't access cash often. So, like buying a bus ticket is impossible. So, being able to cycle places is actually quite a revolutionary. What made you want to get involved with this then? I I used to be a member of a church that had meetings in house groups. Someone called Dave Smith, who founded the Boaz Trust, which you may have heard of. Oh yes, yeah. Um, came and saw us, and just explained to me some of the, the hidden sadness and cruelty these people go through in our culture, and the administrative uh, system just churns up these people. You know, 25% of asylum claims are rejected because of a technicality on paperwork, and that just really shocked me. I think the issue is that this is something that raises people's awareness in big cases, but quite often a lot of incidents go sort of unnoticed, don't they? There's one woman who's just agreed to become a trustee of our charity who's been waiting for her status for 11 years. She's a trained psychiatric nurse, she's a trained electric engineer, she's an amazing woman, incredible skills. How does she get by day to day then if she's... Uh, On the goodwill of friends and uh, charity. Um, <laughs> she, the way the asylum system works is that if you have a claim in with the home office, you're entitled to a flat rate of £36 a week. And if they reject your claim, then you're not allowed anything. Not only are you not, you're not allowed anything, but you can get a call from the UKBA saying, we're coming in an hour, you need to get your stuff ready to leave. And it's like, well, where do I go? We don't care. It's not in this building. So what, what are your thoughts on the sort of public reaction to the current crisis? Because you know the sort of horrible pictures that came out of Syria with the, the sort of the, the child on the beach. Mm. It kind of, that whole sort of swarm thing that David Cameron said, yeah, sort yeah. of created a negative reaction and then that has completely changed it again. And silly as it sounds like a, a hashtag on Twitter can take something off from being a, a negative thing and that whole refugees welcome thing has exploded now. Yeah. You've got people coming from all sort of parts of society where you wouldn't necessarily think they'd be up for doing this, saying, well, I'll, you know, I'll help. Absolutely. I, I, it's, it's amazing. I mean, it's very sad that it takes something as tragic as 
that young boy's death and his, his whole family's death actually trying to get across but there's sort of a revolution of kindness going on in our towns and cities people real sort of groundswell of response and humanitarian kindness towards people who really are the most worthy people of welcome I can imagine and they're incredible people you know this People who have been through the most unimaginable horrors. Yeah, I mean, I, I found this so like, oh, he's got a smartphone, he can't be a refugee, or he's got a watch, or there's another one, he's got a pair of Reebok trainers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, these They're people, very resourceful people. These people haven't necessarily been in squalor, they've had normal lives in some cases, and you know, you, you get an incident where. Many of them are highly a, trained. There's a civil war, or there's a, a, com a major conflict, and everything just goes, and yeah, yeah. they might still have a phone, and a phone for a, a refugee can be a. A life saving, I can't say. Absolutely, absolutely. Especially when you've you know got apps that allow you to have free communication. That's a real life saver. Especially if you're living in isolation. So many of these people are. I suppose it's not another way of getting their story out, isn't it? So you're actually getting the information straight from them rather than being sort of spoken by someone else. Yeah, sometimes. I mean, you get some very effective asylum, what we call sanctuary seekers, being campaigners. But often it's. Uh, it's much more low-key than that, it's just a simple human desire for dignity and communication. And that's often what our asylum system robs these people of. Do you think the mainstream sort of media outlets need to be a bit more responsible when talking about it? Sort of less scaremongering and sort of less, more just putting out the facts of what's actually going on? Yeah, it's definitely shifted from a um, background of blame to a background of compassion, which is something I'm really appreciative of. Although, I mean, you still get... And yeah, you still get a lot of confusion between migrants, refugees and asylum seekers. There's a lot of confusion. Right, so again, it's like that's something that you can educate the public on if you had a more sort of responsible medium. Well, the BBC actually, in this period of recording, have come to differentiate between migrants and refugees. That's all good. refugees are migrants, but not all migrants are refugees. And it's really important that the public understand that. So what are your thoughts on that? There's been um, the recent collections across the country, then are you impressed with the fact that this is kind of gone from something quite small to like this major demonstrations going on now. Yeah, I mean I think it's, it's really wonderful that people are really beginning to understand the severity of this issue. And not only that, but an asylum seeker who arrives in the UK, the first port of call for that person is a detention centre, which is effectively a prison for someone without charge. There's been, they haven't committed any crime. And that if someone fails their asylum claim, they can be detained until their country says, yeah, we'll have them back. There are people in Bedfordshire who have been in Yarswood for two years without conviction, have been incarcerated. Now, that's... So how, how would you solve that then? How, would, you, would you sort of get volunteers if, if it was possible to sort of have these people in whilst the, the claim was sort of being processed? Well, I'd suggest that there's a much more positive way to deal with people who come to this country. Because they're not criminals, are they? And they haven't done anything wrong. Yeah. I mean, we're innocent until proven guilty, right? That's our legal system, yeah. unless you happen to be an asylum seeker. So there's this real double standard. One of our trustees once described it to me that our detention centres will be known as the concentration camps of our country in 50 years. And they'll be a source of shame to our collective conscience. Because simply because of the status, political status of somebody, they are locked up without charge. Um, but I'm sorry, to answer your question, um, what's a positive solution? Is that if you were to allow these people to work, and to actually pay taxes, then they could contribute to society rather than costing society. Uh, there was a study done that estimated that keeping someone in detention for a year because of the additional legal costs of the Home Office and 
so many people. Principal's actually funding the detainment centres. About 150 grand per person, this study showed. I, I'm, not, I'm sure it's not that much every time. But, I mean, you could put someone through eating with that money. Do you know what I mean? You can yeah. give them a real education. And then if it does come to deporting that person, at least we're sending them back with some skills that could uplift that country. To just keep them in uh, boredom and isolation for no other reason than their status on a piece of paper, to me, is completely unconscionable. Completely agree with that. Um, football fans, including FC United, have sort of started a trend that kind of went back from what German fans have been with this whole refugees welcomed thing. Even though this is something FC United have done for many years. Yeah, so, yeah. The German football teams who have always been renowned for being quite political have started this and it's starting to become more of a trend over here now where football fans who often get tired with a, a racism mm. right wing angle, you know, you look back at something like the Chelsea fans in Paris last year and that becomes straight away, you know, majority of football fans are racist where if you look at what's going on now is it's completely opposite. Mm. Do you think football fans can have a positive impact because obviously it's such a problem? Absolutely, I was, when I saw that picture of that refugee's welcome there was something in my mind that completely shifted. Because I think you're right, I think football supporters do get tarred with the brush. And in fact, in some ways, we've suffered the same sort of victimisation that refugees have in the media. Yeah. And that the only times that football fans ever get to the media is when they do something unthinkable. Um, sort of similar thing with Islamophobia, you know. The only thing that ever gets in the news is something negative. But to see football fans like FC United, a great example, coming together and doing something positive, is, I think, a real game-changer. Especially as football is sort of I think one of the linchpins of our culture. Because it is something that can bring people together, isn't it? Absolutely. It's, it's a, sort of a, a leveller in that respect. You, you, know, you don't necessarily know if someone's a, a refugee or a... Absolutely. And everyone can enjoy the drama, you know? Everyone can enjoy the thrill of a, of a football match. It's a wonderful level and a really great medium to communicate um, a simple humanitarian message without it being too fluffy, without it being too, you know, all flowers and cheesy, basically. <laughs> It can be, in some cases, I don't necessarily think the refugees want that when they go to a football match. If they go into, like, Bruce Dortmund, uh, an example, I think they invited 250 refugees to a football match and they wanted to be part of it. They didn't want to be outsiders, they wanted to be part, of the, part of the singing, part of the, sort of the whole experience. Of course. Because I think one of the things that these people have been denied is basic human dignity um, and being treated as other or being denied basic human rights. So to simply be accepted and welcomed as we would welcome anyone, is something that is perhaps, to me, the most valuable commodity that we can offer. And that's what City of Sanctuary is all about, really, providing safe places of welcome. But where do you think, going back to the, start of the charity itself, where do you think it can go in five years? Do you want to be doing more, or getting more organised, doing more collections, or are you yeah. hoping in five years' time the sort of attitude will be have shifted so you won't be needing as much? Well, we've started... Um, I hope that we won't need to exist anymore, that it will be sort of a background culture of welcome. Yeah. But I don't think that's a five year game, I think that's more of a 50 year game. But I think that, like we've just started working with Greater Manchester Police and Manchester City as well have offered us some tickets, we're talking with them. And I hope that big organisations will start signing pledges with us and we're building a network of people that eventually we can take to the City Council. And I hope we'll do that within a year to say you should sign up to say that we will welcome people in this city. And I think it may be sooner than a year. Then I imagine in five years there'll be a real network of organisations that offer college courses, that offer uh, apprenticeships, that offer language courses, that offer training. Getting them experience as well, which is key. Eventually, when it is. But also it's, it's a 
sometimes we have an illusion that refugees are unskilled people. Many That's of the refugees saying, yeah. I meet are teachers, are doctors, are nurses, are engineers, are all professors. Like, again, it's going back to that whole sort of, oh, how can you be a refugee when you've got a smartphone? Or how can you be a refugee when you've got a pair of yeah. fairly expensive training? Absolutely, absolutely. This idea you have to be poor and starving in order to qualify as a refugee. Yeah. It's not that at all. There are layers. I know some refugees who are unskilled, who have very poor English, who have no money. Um, but the majority of refugees that I know are not in that situation. There was, a, there was an article in a United We Stand fanzine where it was a, an Iranian fan who emailed in and that his knowledge of everything was as much as a Manchester based United. Yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's amazing how with the internet you can start stay connected to things. Absolutely, absolutely. And these people uh, have become very good at that often, out of necessity. Trying to stay connected, trying to keep that human dignity alive when their environment has conspired to destroy it. You're listening to FCUM Community Radio.